This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 30th episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast series. On today's podcast, myself, Glynis McCarthy and Brent Robinson complete exploring the PDCA model for learning teams facilitators. We finalise it today with the check, study and act part of the PDCA cycle. We will explore the context of organizational worker and facilitator learning, the value of maintaining a journal as a facilitator, using the SPIN model to give context to the learning team output when sharing the learnings, the importance of implementing and reviewing improvements, and the need to review those changes and improve or remove if they are not working as expected by workers and the organization. Next week in episode 31, we will then reflect on the series and feedback from our listeners and also look at the Everyday Learning Teams video that is being released the week of the 19th of April. Today's show notes will have a link for you to register and download a PDF version of the PDCA framework. We are granting access to this document to the Learning Teams community under the Creative Commons copyright, which means that you are free to copy communicate and adapt the work for non-commercial purposes as long as you attribute the work to Learning Teams Inc and abide by the copyright and intellectual property terms. We hope that you enjoy the series and we continue our journey of learning and improving with Learning Teams. In our last part of the PDCA framework, we're now going to explore the check and the act component. And this is really important because part of that checking process is actually broken down into um, what the facilitator needs to check on and also what the learning team itself needs to check on. So let's start off there about the facilitator. And earlier in the previous episode, we, we mentioned about keeping a journal. And I think this is where it becomes important because in that journal, the facilitator needs to keep a record of What were the organizational learnings? What did the organization gain from it? What did the participants learn? And then what did I learn as a facilitator? And it's really interesting because at that point, that's where the facilitator should conduct their own little mini learning team themselves and ask that question, where did it have to make do? What could I do differently next time And who can I share this with to seek feedback to learn and improve? And I think this is where this whole concept, Glynis, of having a, um, you know, identifying a coach and mentor becomes really important. Yeah, definitely. Look, if we're wanting to to make uh, quantifiable um, leaps in in our terms of our own improvement, we need to know where we're starting from and we need to know where we're going to. We need to know what that gap is in the middle. Um, And then we need to to be cognizant about the changes in our practice. 
and as we've talked about, a lot of this is quite subtle. We do it relatively intuitively. And so actually we don't necessarily notice that we've had an improvement. Um, and we're certainly not uh, particularly cognizant always of what is that quantifiable shift. Um, so having some way to reflect on it, um, whether it be recording it as a reflection, whether it be as, as um, Brent Robinson spoke of last time, say taking a picture of some of the images of, of, of ideas or of words that have been captured throughout that learning team and using that as your reflection point. The important part here is reflecting. It's thinking about what has the organization learned? What have the workers learned? What have I learned? And I sometimes wonder if people are trying to say, did I achieve the perfect learning team? And maybe that's the first thing we should actually say, that that's not what we're trying to chase. Because what we're trying to do, just like when we talk about risk, it's actually all about continual improvement itself. Yeah, and I, I, I'd like to take one of the things that my mentor, my lean mentor, uh, Wes, shout out to Wes, would say, don't let perfect get in the way of good. And that sits with me all the time because I like it and it, it makes sense, you know. You can have a good learning team. I don't think you're going to have a perfect one. Eh? That's the that's the goal, but it's incremental steps each time and learning from each one you do. I think this has got a really strong focus, this part, about sustainable practice within an organisation. I think that what happens is um, individuals can really start to hone their skill sets um, and those competences that they need to lead a good dialogue um, whether it be in learning teams or whether it be in general practice, but actually what the organization is striving for is how do we embed this? And actually without you really reflecting on your own journey, particularly if you're one of the instigators of this, um, how then do you how then do you upskill others so that they can do it in a more expedient way? So I think that what this is, it's helping the organization to look for opportunities to really um, gain good operational knowledge about what's happening within the organization. It's, a, it's an opportunity for the organization to work collaboratively with, with various stakeholders, including workers, um, in terms of a problem identification and problem solution. But also it's about how the practitioners, the safety practitioners, really develop and extend their own skill set. But more importantly, how then do they show others? I think that's an important point. Um, it is showing others and sharing it and then letting it move out within the organization. So it's not just one, you don't want one person to be the knowledge holder of learning teams. You need it to move across all the functional parts of the organization. So it's happening. And I think we've seen that recently, haven't we, Brent, with um, everyday learning teams that you want your site supervisor to be able to run them quickly and effectively and, and have a good learning team on a daily basis and you know the organizational learning that comes from that but you can't have somebody that's just coming in to do these learning teams it's the learning teams expert or the knowledge holder or the whatever it is of learning teams it's about the organization embracing it and moving it across the whole organization and i think uh, this is a really valid point because i don't think we should have the same expectation about all facilitators so when we think about everyday learning teams um it should be it should be more intuitive a person make sense um and you know i'm super excited about the 19th of april when we release our little doco about everyday learning teams where the frame that was provided to the to the actual group of workers um really was based around intuition 
has allowed them to see a concept, pick up that concept and start to work with a concept really, really quickly because it just made sense to them because they were part of it. Uh, Glynis and I saw yesterday, um, Brent, where um, we, we showed the trailer of the, uh, the video and a whole lot of people during the break came up and said, where can I buy them? I want to buy them. And we said, well, no, because you're not buying a tool. I said, you know, this was an outcome of a learning team about how to get people to better engage and for the system to be informed about variability. It came from that conversation. It wasn't, here's a tool. So I said, you know, if you took that tool and then gave it to the people, now you're imposing it on them. Yeah. They need to feel that they're actually part of the solution, not part of the problem. And it really took a few of them back. Because they, but we love the tool. And I said, look, absolutely. And I'm sure we can provide a thinking frame that works for your people and what they do. But it may look different and it may be valued differently. That's where the power of the conversation needs to be had. That's interesting, isn't it? That that's people will typically go for the thing. I want the thing because that's going to fix the problem. And invariably it doesn't fix the problem. It just creates a new set of issues that you might have to deal with differently again. Yeah, you know? and I'm sure certain parts of that will be used, but that's not the point. People need to be part of it, not be the outcome of it. I think, again, it comes back to having some skin in the game. Mm. You know, if you've got some skin in the game, you, you've got an investment in the output, you know, in the outcome when we just simply give people tools, actually they're just passive recipients. So they're going to act in a passive way. And what we're trying to do is to get people to participate in an active way. You know, we're asking people to critically reflect, reflect on practice, to look at what's going right and, and what hasn't gone, gone well for them. Yeah, we're asking them to look at where does the system support good practice? Where does it detract from good practice? Where do we have waste? Asking people to really delve in and, and to really reflect on the situation as it is in the current time and look to say, well, how can we make improvements going forward? People need some skin in the game for that. And I think that's when you can say that you've either got engagement or haven't. I was thinking about what we were saying before about, you know, we've run a learning team and we ran one and recently and we had post-it notes. And one of the people that had been on the learning team brought one of his co-workers in from a different department and they were discussing the post-it notes on the wall and having a discussion about it and to me that was the moment I thought you know what I think we might have engagement now you know this person is excited about what they learned from it and he wants to show he wants to share it with somebody else and I think sharing is that that next level that that you get to and I really I like that and it's the same with the you know the uh, video that we did last week when the the guys go, it'd be really cool on the side of the uh, of the ute or the pickup truck, depending on who's listening, um, because we can we can refer to it every day, you know. Right, that just became intuitive. Yes, and but it's them engaging with it. Go, it's not just on the hood of the bonnet; it's actually on the side. We can go back to it and reflect on it, or or add to it, or do whatever they needed to. And that's engagement in my mind. They're using. Right. So for those things to happen, we, we, as part of that study process, that check process, we need to be able to summarize those improvements for the organization to get that learning. Because no matter what we do, 
has to be some form of definitive output. And in the book, we use the A3 spin uh, model as an example of that, where basically we now summarize all this rich context, all that rich narrative, because it's really important that we keep that. But we can now summarize that into that spin model. Um, spin stands for situation, problem, implication, and need. So the situation is the context. The problem is, you know, what problem does situation create for people in an organization? The implication is what's the implication if we do nothing about it? And then it is what do we need to do to solve the problem and reduce the risk, you know, and improve the current situation? Those things are important because that's, that's what's going to um, be used by other people in the system and in the organization that weren't part of the learning team. That's the part they're going to see. They're not going to see the 100 post-its and all the other stuff. They're going to see that, that output around that. And part of that should be those prioritizing those improvements. And once again, it's really important that um, we should be looking for some quick wins. If, if we want people to see the value in self-improving, we need to give them some quick wins. If it's going to take a month for something to happen, a lot of things move on in a month's time. So it's really understanding what are those things going to be. Um, and some of those improvements are things that can be driven purely by the workers. That doesn't need the organization's input. Some of them will be joint and some of them will be where the organization has to commit time, resource and money. I think your point about time is <clears throat> really important, Brent. In my experience, if something hasn't, if something's taken a month before they see the next effect after you've run the learning team, the energy's lost, the impetus is lost, and you know, you're really starting to devalue the work that you put in at the start. You're right, it has to be a quick win. And if the people doing the work can affect the change, then that's what we should concentrate on first because that doesn't require any other resources apart from those people doing something, changing something, modifying something. And I think, you know, but it's so important that you embed that super quickly. And yeah, everybody's and on board with it. Um, in the book, we explored that concept of 531. Yeah. Things that the workers can pick up and do. Three things that the organization workers can do together. And one thing that the organization needs to lead on because that requires a whole raft of other things. Uh, and that sort of leads us back into having those, those smart objectives as well, setting those goals. But all of this is really important because no matter what we do, we need to present and share those learning outcomes to the organizations. And uh, even yesterday when we, when we ran these, um, these, these workshops, at the end of it, we had people that wanted to come up and take a selfie with some of our learnings. That's great. Isn't that great? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what websites you've been published on, Glynis, but people wanted to grab those selfies with you. Because that, that's the bit that they want to remember, makes sense, because that, that's their thing that's going to take them forward. So when they go back to that, they're going to re recall all those great learnings that they encountered at the time and can share. And in today's world of wanting to video and take photos of everything, why not take a little one minute or two minute video of what those key learnings were. Then we move in the final part of the act. Because just as we know that if there's no feedback in a system, 
if there's no actual action, if there's no doing from the talking, then why would people want to participate going forward? Because otherwise they'll end up where they're at now. Well, nothing changes if nothing changes. That's right. So even when we do implement those learnings, Glynis, how important is it that we actually go in and actually check to make sure that they're working as intended or studying to understand how they're working? What are your thoughts around that? And look, I think it's just a natural part of risk, the risk management process, isn't it? That we should always have a monitoring and, and verification component of all of our controls to ensure that they continue to have efficacy over time. Um, and, and this is no different. If we're going to implement something new, then we need to go back and make sure that it's sustainable and it's doing as we intended and not having unintended consequences that we haven't previously thought about. So I think it's really important because we're not all rocket scientists. We're not? No, no, surprisingly, surprisingly not. I was just reminded last night by my daughter. Um, but the fact is we may not have foreseen those potential um, knock-on effects. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, aren't we always surprised that, you know, we think that we have managed to, to deal with one, one, com one component of risk, but actually often what we do is we shift it quite unintentionally. And, and there, are always an, uh, there is always an unintended consequence to, to pretty much everything that we do. So it is really important that we go back and, and do that monitoring and that verification um, throughout time. And that study component. And from your point of view, Brett Robinson, what's the value of the whole comment about um, if it's not working as intended, we need to improve it or remove it? Yeah, what I think happens if we don't remove it? Well, I think that's business as a whole that, you know, if it's not working the way we expected to, that we've got to look at, take the problem on board, look at it and see how we can improve it. And I think what we quite often in business, what, we're, what happens is we get lost and we'll come up you know, with these big grandiose plans to fix something, we're really, it, to me, it's about these incremental changes that give you the most benefit over a long period of time. And it doesn't matter whether it's risk or it's quality or improvement in the process. It's those incremental going back, plan, do, check out, and coming back round. And, you know, what I notice probably more on the safety um, sphere than in others is that it's on a six month or a yearly basis. I think it should be it should be more it should be live, you know, as things change, as business adapts, as COVID comes and COVID leaves, that these are all opportunities to go back and review each of those things. And if they're small and you know, people say, you know, one of the questions we keep on getting asked is how much does it cost to run a learning team? Well, the cost is really the people involved and then doing something about what you've learned later on. So it's relative, if it's small incremental changes, it's relatively small in the scheme of things. We're not putting in new IT systems or new pieces of equipment, typically. Um, and I think that we can we can just look at those and keep that process going. And it's that momentum that you, that you hopefully build within your organization. It doesn't have to be business. It could be, you know, it could be government as well. Like there's plenty of opportunity within government to uh, improve the systems they have and the brittleness of some of the systems there. So the reality is that if we don't study, if it's working as intended, or if we don't improve it to work as intended or through other form of variation, then it's going to become waste. 
certainly is. And if we let waste build on the system, does that have a huge potential knock-on effect? Yeah, it, it, it's it's slowing you down, and you're you're doing stuff with no value add. So why would you do it? You're not going to get paid more for it. Nobody's going to pay you any extra for it. You're building in the in these processes that effectively don't make people safer, don't improve your output, um, and don't provide sustainability within your organization. In fact, you were going the other way. It's like it's like clogging an artery with all this stuff, isn't it? So if we don't close that loop, are we potentially undermining the value of learning teams? Yes, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. About follow through, isn't it? Yeah. Part of this. I think, you know, what we're trying to do is go from kind of single loops to double loops to multiple loops, both of learning and, and of outcomes. You know, that the PD, PDCA model, we're constantly going back and, and going through those loops um, to get that, uh, that refinement that Brent Robinson is talking about. Without it, we're just simply replacing one idea with another, um, but with very little with a very little gain to it. Well, it just reminds me of that recent conversation with Rob Fisher, where we're talking about you know resilience and robustness, and you know his comment is the system isn't resilient or robust. It's either less resilient, more resilient, less robust, or more robust. Yeah. And it becomes a and it moves up and down at scale based on that feedback loop? Uh, you know, the thing that I find really interesting about risk, and I hear, you know, a lot of conversations and a lot of commentary on LinkedIn, is that people do these risk reviews and all these organizations are changing all the time. You know, the average, average manufacturing organization in Australia um, has an 11%, if it's good, has an 11% turnover of staff on its factory floor. So if you had 100 people, you're going to have, you know, 11 people in a year move on and 11 new people come in. So the change is happening all the time. Product variation and product development and new products and new customers are changing your process all the time. And by that very nature of that process of change, your risk is changing all the time. New people, new process, new materials. You need it faster, you need it quicker, you need it slower, whatever it may be. It's changing your risk profile all the time. And that's why I think that these things have to be really adaptable. So the last part of the act is to share the learnings and the outcomes. And that's actually about building cross-knowledge and capacity across the organization. So just, just because we're going to learning in, say, for instance, safety, doesn't mean that that might stimulate a conversation about a learning in some other part of the business around quality, or around operational excellence, or around customer service. Because when people, when we share these learnings, the people that then receive those learnings start to think about, well, how could that apply to me and what I do? So that last part, sharing those learnings wide, you know, wider and broader can really be quite effective. And, and it's also, also showing the fact here that particularly when we start to actually share what the works learned, what the organization learned, um, particularly start to use those videos or do their own little podcast series, what do they want to do? It's actually about encouraging others to want to participate. 
because that learning is actually seen as being part of being successful. Well, it's yeah. having that organisational learning focus, isn't it? I think we get the question I get asked is how do you how do you share it? And you know, I've heard people say, oh, "I know we put it on our SharePoint." Well, that's great, but there's only a certain number of people in your organisation that can get to your SharePoint. So, how do you, you know? I think different people have different different outcomes. So in wrapping up our journey of the PDCA model for uh, learning teams facilitation, I'd like to um, use a Dr. Todd Conklin quote. And his quote is, remember that we are managing uncertain outcomes with certain controls. So from our perspective, using the PDCA model of continuous improvement, um, you need to identify if the ideas of improvements are working as expected. And it's important that we carry on that loop because the only way we can keep learning and improving is the only outcome is to be able to reduce uncertainty. So we're hopeful that for those practitioners out there who are either wanting to refine how they run learning teams or even just wanting to start with a learning team, we're hopeful that this PDCA model will really help them um, in that journey and don't forget that the context of this is all sits within the book. So the model itself is there to support you. It's something that you can access and reach easily. But everything that sits behind it goes back to our book on the practice of learning teams. So let's just do some final wrap up with um, Glynis and Brett Robinson. Look, I think um, the PDCA model provides a really nice frame and it provides a really nice synopsis um, of, of the materials that we really explored in a lot more detail in the book, um, the, the practice of learning teams. And I think for anyone starting out, that frame gives some guidance. Um, it doesn't give prescription, but it does help to guide practice. And I think that that's something when you're starting out on this journey that, that we're all looking for. So um, I hope that people get some value both out of this podcast, but also um, out of the work um, that's gone into creating this PDCA framework. Yeah, I agree, Linus. It's a really good place to start and give you four key areas to go and look at um, and the importance of each one of those as you move forward in your journey. But, you know, I don't think I can say it more strongly that it's really important that you find yourself a coach or mentor to help you when you're reflecting on each one you do because sometimes we can be quite... Um, harsh critics of our own performance and when you get to the opportunity to talk it through with somebody um, you get to review it and go yeah okay could have gone better it was still good we got something out of it there's some learning and somebody you know people that are coaching you or mentoring you through it can help you understand that and um, sort of tone down that inner critic and when people are using the framework don't forget you can add to it you can remove from it. It's a framework. Yeah. Because it's your journey and everyone's journey is going to be different. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We'd love to hear your learnings from today or other topics you would like us to support you on go to www.podcastlearnings.com and be part of the community practice of learning teams at www.learningteamscommunity.com
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.